Alrighty. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the live stream on a Friday night. Uh, glad you could be here. We are very excited to have Ryan Vargas on the stream. I'll bring him in in a few minutes, but thank you all for joining us. We'll talk some NASCAR news a little later in the show, too. I know there's probably a lot to talk about, a lot that you all have opinions on that we'll we'll discuss briefly near the end uh, of the show. But thank you all for being here. I'm not alone, though. I know we have Ryan Vargas coming on the show later. Uh, but I have my friend Ben as well, Buffy Line crew, tobychristy.com member as well. Ben, I'm going to bring you in. Obviously, Ryan's going to be on the show. He's going to hopefully we have some good stuff we're going to talk about. I definitely want to ask him about. Uh, I really want to ask him about Portland. Portland is something I'm. I am incredibly curious about too. Why don't we just bring him in? Should we just bring go him for in it? Now? Yeah. All right. We've kept the audience waiting long enough. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We we have to Hello. build it up, Ryan. <laughs> Can you guys hear me? That's yes. my yes. real question. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for joining us, Ryan. I greatly appreciate your time and your patience. Absolutely. No, thank you guys for having me. Yeah. So I, this is like a very basic question to start off with, but talk to me about the first time you were in a race car. Like it doesn't even have to be like competitive, but what do you remember about that and who got you in the car? So my first lap in a race car, um, I'll, I'll explain how I got into the race car first. So, um, I didn't know that kids could drive race cars. Like I grew up loving anything with four wheels and a motor. Um, so like I would watch monster jam, sports cars, NASCAR, anything. Like I said, anything with four wheels and a motor, like even like, even it's like tough for me to watch motorcycles. And like, I respect, I'm not, not that I don't respect, like they they are built gentlemen and ladies and gentlemen over there. But like, I, I was like, I just like four wheels and a motor, anything, anything with cars. And uh, my dad took me to Irwindale Speedway, uh, and that's where I found out that Bandolero race cars exist. Um, and we're there, and it just so happens that there's, a, like, a recess aide from my elementary school at the time was there. And I was like, why are you existing out of school? Um, and turns out her son raced the Bandolero. Um, we proceeded, and they told us we were selling it. So my mind immediately went to, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, we need to do this now, now, now. And we ended up purchasing the race car but the first time i drove that race car i didn't make it the entire first lap i hit the wall oh i didn't lift and it was because i didn't lift i didn't understand the concept of lifting and hitting the brake and turning so that was a uh <laughs> that was a bit of a uh, a wake-up call for me in racing and i remember the drive home my dad asked me he said look we can do one of two things we can you know buy this race car we can do this but if we do this, we're going to make you a champion and we're going to actually go for this. And if not, then, you know, we can, you know, go to K1 Speed on the weekends, have fun with friends. But we, uh, you know, you can just focus on school and just, you know, whatever you got to do. It, it was an hour drive from Orange Show to my house. And uh, within five minutes, I said I wanted to race, even though I just wrecked the car. Um, so it was it's all it's all over from there. <laughs> Did you have a, cause you talked about like watching motorsports, like ever since you can remember, was there a driver that you grew up loving and following? Uh, Dennis Anderson, driver of Gravedigger. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was, look, there's the big three. The big three is Schumacher, Earnhardt, Anderson. And, uh, and uh, I made that joke on stream the other day. And, uh, but it's, yeah, I mean, I grew up with a, a fan of monster jam and then i started watching nascar that's where i became a fan of jeff gordon jimmy johnson you know those guys um and so that that from there i was hooked on racing ben do you want to talk about portland I'm I, so uh we'll get to that i'm i'm kind of curious so vargas you're from 
Southern California area, correct? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so La Mirada, I, California is my home. La Mirada. That's what I was thinking. So I kind of am just curious. So you've been on the East Coast. You've been on the West Coast. You've been around the country when it comes to asphalt racing and short track racing. Can I talk about the vibe of West Coast short track scenes? Because I feel like that's something here on the East Coast that like, like I go to short tracks locally and I go to short tracks in Charlotte and stuff and they're cool. But like, is the vibe different from the West Coast to the East Coast? Like, what's it like? It's not different, um, but, like, I would say something that's, like, kind of unique about, like, Southern California, obviously, there's a lot of, you know, different, there's a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds, so, like, what you'd be pretty surprised to see is, like, the blend of, you know, cultures when you go to these racetracks, like, you know, there's, like, you don't go to Hickory and see an Elote stand, you you see that at, at Irwindale, um, and it's, it's awesome, uh, but... The biggest thing, I mean, really is, I mean, we all have the same goal in mind, uh, but I will say, you know, East Coast short track racing is a lot more difficult than, uh, than, than West Coast. Not saying that the competition out there isn't stiff by any means. I mean, there's some very fantastic race car drivers. I mean, off the top of my head, I can name a few Ryan Partridge, Lenny White, Derek Thorne. Those guys are some of the best of the best in short track racing and they're from the West Coast and they beat me way too many times, but, um, if they were in, you know, Xfinity or truck or cup, they would probably be kicking butt there too. Um, but, you know, it's just so insane because obviously the East Coast, it's where racing is. You know, everybody, you come to the East Coast to race. Um, so there's so many teams, so many drivers. So, you know, I go to Irwindale, like, I'll, for example, I ran, I, I ran a split schedule in 2019. I had a sponsor and i was able to run a bunch of late model races i did about like roughly like 18 races on the west coast and like 12 on the east coast and i would say i can go to the west coast and run top three win you know consistently i'd go to hickory and racing with lee falk racing and i mean it is spectacular equipment at lee falk racing and i would fight 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 to run top I mean, it is insane, just the competition difference. I mean, yeah, it's a different car, late model stock versus late model on the West Coast, but uh, the competition is just so steep. And uh, that's one thing that really taught me a lot about trying to compete, you know, out here. And growing up in California, did that make your trajectory into, like, NASCAR where you are? And did that make it a little bit more difficult, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it definitely makes it difficult because of the fact you don't have – the resources you don't have the the people i mean yeah it's you know very much possible i mean you look at a lot of the champions recently i mean kyle larson he's a california kid jimmy johnson seven-time champion he's from california so i mean you know it's not impossible by any means but it is definitely a little bit more unconventional uh but it's about taking that leap you know i made the diversity program race with rev and I, when i was 17 i moved across country and lived in an apartment my dad lived with me for a few months but then i spent the rest of my time living on my own in a, in a two-bedroom apartment and using race winnings to pay for rent. It's crazy. It's crazy. I know uh, Daniel Suarez talks about in uh, his episode with Dinner with Racers how he moved from Monterey, Mexico to Buffalo, New York to go short track racing and talks about like the culture, just the culture shocking, which he, he had a lot different one, obviously not growing up inside the country, but like just hearing that whole story about you had to move over here and you're just living like it's just crazy to me that the ability of drivers to be able to do that and to succeed like you have, like Suarez has like countless others from West coast or wherever. So, yeah. um, 
I want to talk a little bit about your Xfinity uh, career so far. I want to go back to the early days, though, when those you made those first few starts way, way back. I say way back, but it was like 2019. Uh, talk about the excitement that you had for those. Like, I'm sure you were pumped. Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of a unique way it all went down because, I mean, you look at 2018, you know, from, I would say from November 2018 to 2000 to February, March 2019, you know, in that span of time, I had no clue what I was doing because I had just gotten done with my opportunity at, in the diversity program and they downsized from three cars to two cars and that left me on the outs. You know, you know, we finished, I finished second of the three teammates, but it was, you know, they had to, you know, make some cuts somewhere and, you know, that's just part of the business. And uh, so I, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, you know, it was November and I was left with nothing. Um, I had no sponsorship. I had no really no money any money i had went to rent um and so i was kind of scrambling it took me quite it took me quite a while um to really land on my feet and so i ended up landing a sponsor go late model racing uh which is insane um and i did that because and everyone could look at that and say well why don't you get a sponsor to go arca racing you know why didn't you get a sponsor to, at that time k and n and i looked at the business side of it this is when i had to really learn learn about that and i realized that it cost just as much for me to go arca racing and finish top three not even that more i mean it, i mean it costs just as much to go run top five top three in arca than it would to go do xfinity races um and that and for me that doesn't make sense and so when i was able to finally start you know building the funds to go do a one-off race this was me, you know, jumping in, you know, I met Johnny and this was me jumping into the deep end and telling myself, this is my chance. This is my one race where I, where I have to go out here and actually perform. And if I go out here and run last, or if I crash, I'm not made for it. Like, this is like, I was 18 years old, already told, I was already convinced myself that I was washed up um, because I was at the time. Let's be real. I was, I, I had my opportunity. It didn't work out. I was back late model racing. Um, and so I knew that this was my one opportunity to go out there and do that. And we went out there, qualified, I'd say 23rd or something like that, ran top 15, finished 17th. And I just remember after the race, all of the people in the garage area, all these drivers, crew members, team owners coming over as I'm sitting kind of hunched over my car. I, was, I wasn't ready for how hot it would be. Um, hunched over my car and they were all telling me, they were like, you done something today. And, uh, you know, we went out there, we raced with a lot of really, really good race cars. And, um, that right there, in my opinion, while I have a lot of races where I finished a lot better than 17, um, that race right there is still probably one of the most important races of my racing career. You ran really well this year at the Super Speedways, had a career best at Daytona P6. Talk to me about those races and how do you approach a Super Speedway race um, for JD Motorsports versus any other race in the season that you have? I mean, when you go to the Super Speedways, it's it's a game of coulda, shoulda, woulda, always. Mm -hmm. It's a game of be there at the white flag. Um, if you're not, <laughs> if you're, if you're not, like for us, we're not out there to go run and get stage points. That's not our goal. If we do, heck yeah, that's great. That's, that's a great day. But that's not our goal. We, we don't go out there to get stage points. We go out there to get the best finish we can. 
and bring the cars home in one piece. So, you know, thankfully, you know, aside from, you know, knocking a little bit of the nose off at Talladega, we did that all four races. And that's, that's a big, 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 big thing for us is that we did that. Um, we qualified really good. We ran in the pack really good. And you, I remember talking to, you know, Darian and all the, you know, other NASCAR YouTube guys, Eric, and they were asking, like, what do you, what do, you do for these races? Because, you know, this is a race where you have a chance. And it's like, yeah, we do. Absolutely. But you have to vibe. You just have to vibe. You have to exist. If you don't just exist, you're not going to put yourself in a good spot. Come to the checkered flag. And, I mean, it's kind of funny. We had a throttle. We had a linkage issue um, at Daytona in August. We had a throttle linkage issue. So I wasn't able to get restarts very good. Uh, if you go back and watch the final restart, I could not get up to speed. Like, everybody's like, oh, did you drop back? It's like, oh, I was digging. Um, luckily, Ty Gibbs pushed me, and that got us up into the RPM band that we needed to be to have speed. Um, and so, but being at the back, kind of being smart, you know, it's, you know, you're, you're learning. You're, you're doing as much as you can and get, delivering as much info to your team as you can because you need to tell them how good your car is drafting. But you also got to tell them, hey, the car's a little darty. The car's a little darty in traffic. Oh, it wants to cut loose oh it's a little tight um you have to try and deliver to them the best info you can while you're riding so that when you get down to that final 10 10 five laps you can go out there and charge and that's what we did at they that's what we did at daytona in august that's what we did at talladega in the spring and that's what we did at daytona in this in the spring the only reason we really didn't have a chance was this most recent talladega where literally nothing happened <laughs> yeah no nothing happened this past talladega race which is so opposite of xfinity at dega um, I want to go back. You brought up the point about how you, no you knocked the nose in at, at uh, Dega this past time around or what, whichever race it was. I I want to ask, so you've ran a few races for Mike Harmon this year as well, as well as JD Motorsports. Um, kind of talk about if you, if you want to, like obviously JD Motorsports is not the Gibbs in Xfinity. Like they're a very small two-car team right now. It sounds like they're going to bump up to three cars. Talk about what it's like to drive for those teams, not only just in the sense of like what your goals are and how they are different from, from a Ty Gibbs or from a Trevor Bain this weekend. And talk about just like the atmosphere those teams have. Cause there's something, there's something about those teams. I know I'm really good friends with RJ Starswick and he loves those teams that are like the underdogs in Xfinity. Cause he just loves the Xfinity series. Cause it, it is the best series right now. Oh, it really is. <laughs> um, but just talk about like the atmosphere that those teams have compared to other teams that you know of. Yeah. I mean, the big thing is, is, you know, if you're a driver that's able to keep cars in one piece, that's going to go a long ways. And I learned that from BJ McLeod. I learned that from BJ McLeod. I learned that from Landon Castle. Um, I actually ended up, I mean, there was a point last year where I had lunch with Landon Castle and I just picked his brain the entire time. I asked every question I had, anything I could, get an idea as to how I need to approach these Xfinity races driving for teams like the JDs and the Harmons, you know, because at the end of the day, you're not going to go out there and beat a Gibbs car on raw speed. You're just not. Um, and, and that's not, a, and that's not a knock on us. It's not a knock on these teams. It's just, that's just how it is. I mean, these guys have millions upon millions of dollars of dollars of R and D. We just don't. Um, we have a joke with our super speedway car that we have a bunch of, um, Walmart fans and the and the paint booth out back. We call it the wind barn um, for the Talladega car. I'm kidding, but um, it's it's so what 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 it's done for me is it's taught me to be to learn how to do a little bit of give and take. And I think that it's both a blessing and a curse. 
um, because there's times this year where I have lifted. I've had to lift, and I didn't think I wanted to be in a position. And it's cost me track position, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, you know, for me, if I'm going to go out there and finish 24th, 25th, 26th with a clean race car instead of finishing 22nd or 23rd with a destroyed race car, I'd much rather have the latter. I'm um, sorry, the first one, whatever, whatever English. Um, I'd much rather have the clean race car with that just because if you go out there with a destroyed race car and finish 23rd, what are you earning there? You know what I mean? What are, what are you returning for your team? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, okay, we have a subpar finish and a destroyed race car. Versus mm-hmm. we go to tracks like the Roval, we finish 24th. Now, there's hardly even a scratch on that thing. And, I mean, I left there, and, I mean, we were we didn't have speed. We didn't have the speed we needed, plain and simple. We discussed it. We've gone over it. And we maximized the day. Everyone made, made case. My crew chief made some phenomenal adjustments to get us up to speed, to get us a little faster. We still just – I love road courses. We just didn't have the pace this time around. Um, and, that, and that's fine. That's part of racing. Um, but we made the most of the day. We adjusted. We got quicker and quicker. We were able to go from kind of struggling to kind of being able to contend for that top, you know, top 20 to top 25 range. And that's where we ended up 24th. Um, gave up a little in some areas, but I, that's as a driver, I know what to do. But to answer your question, that long winded response, I would much rather finish 24th, 25th, 26th with a clean race car than 21st, 22nd, 23rd with a destroyed race car. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. I know Landon Castle has that, like, not gimmick, but he'll do, like, P10, no stripe on the car or whatever. And, you know, that, like you said, that goes a, that goes a long way. I mean, for I, mean I look at the Toby tracker, um, and I see where I'm at compared to those who have as many races as I do or just a bit more. Um, and, I mean, of the drivers who have as many races as I do, I mean, and even of the full-time drivers, I'm the least by – double and that's what matters to me um that matters to me and that i know that you know at the end of the day if i am at a point where i need to start where i need to go to car owners down the road whether it be in the xfinity truck or cup series i can go to them and say hey look i could put up results but i could also keep your cars clean and that's Mm -hmm. that's that tells me that tells them that i know what goes into these things because i i I, but i wreck i go to the shop and fix it or at least help tear it down because i feel I mean, I see these guys work. I mean, in 2020, I was a crew guy working alongside um, working alongside these guys because I wanted to learn what went into this. And that and that helped me gain that respect. And I, and I always had that respect. I did it with late models and stuff. But, yeah, long-winded answer, yeah. <laughs> if, if there's anything I've heard about you, Ryan, it's that you are one of the hardest-working guys in the garage. And that says a lot about you and your character and the, the amount of work you put in on and off the track. You also put in a lot of work off the track on social media, um, getting sponsorship. And I'm, I really wanted to pick your brain on this. Is you, you have a knack for social media, very talented in that, of following trends and making sure you're able to bring your sponsors into a really good lighter involving them in um, social media endeavors. Um, what is it like um, having a, finding a sponsor on social media and having that relationship? You said, I think one of your sponsors was solely through Twitter, I think, or if you mm-hmm. had a conversation, that's how it started. So a lot of sponsors you, that have been through Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Well, what good percentage of sponsors would you say? Um, let's go off the top of our head here. Um, TikTok, um, Williamsburg contracting, Alvin Kamara, 
Um, I gotta think. There's a few. Uh, those are the three I can name off the top of my head. But there's a few. I had an associate sponsor at um, at, at Texas Green Supply Co. They were one of them. Um, I mean, there, there's 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 a bunch. Um, and that's and that's and, I, and my my response to your to that is this: there is always someone who has more talent. There is always someone who has more dollars. So, the what I have to do is to work five times harder than they do. And I know that. Like I I, I know that I need to put up everything I can because I believe I can go out there and win races someday. But I don't have. You know, I, I haven't been in that position yet, and I also don't have the dollar. So what do I got to do? I have to make sure that I put in as much effort as I can and deliver for guys like this who can support and who, who do believe in me because at the end of the day, what they do to support me is going to help push me to that level. You know, we're not in 2006 anymore. We're not in the era of put a sticker on a race car, there's your ROI. We're just not. You know, there's – Thousands upon thousands of people. There's why am I saying thousands? There's a millions upon millions of people on the internet daily, and I and I get so so flustered when people are like, "How are you on social media? And how do you do this? How do you how do you tweet? How do you do TikToks?" And it's like, oh, it's not a job. Just do it. It's free advertisement. Mm-hmm. Like think about it. Have you paid for Twitter? Have you paid to be on Facebook? Have you paid to be on Instagram? Like it's free. It is literally free advertisement, and I and it, and it baffles me that so many people are trying to complicate it. Like it, you don't know how much it pains me to see some some driver do a thing where they're standing holding something, and it's some someone clearly typing for them. It's like my brother. It is a free app. <laughs> do your own <laughs> stuff, and like it's okay. I'm not knocking having PR people like that. That they have they have a place, but like it's so easy to just be active. It's so easy. And what stinks, though, is, you know, one thing I will say is being as active as I am and being on social media is I read every comment. Mm-hmm. I read every single comment. I see the, all the comments. And I'm, unfortunately, that kind of guy that can get 100 really nice compliments. But if I see one negative comment, that seeds in me. And I, like, I mean, I was just seeing some guy today losing his marbles. And it's just, like, I mean, there's some people that just love to hate. And I, and I don't understand. I, I, I wish I could meet these people and change their mind because I'm one of those people that my toxic trait is that I want like I, I, I want to, you know, make people happy. That's like my I shouldn't say it's a toxic trait, but it's my trait. I, I like to make sure people ha- leave happy when they talk to me. And when and someone doesn't, I'm very quick to like even if it's a fan, I will like comment and say, look, if you see me again, say hi. Like that's like that's not who I am. So. Being that active on social media, it's a it's a really important thing. It's been able it's been a good thing for me to deliver for these partners, but you know it's also about trying to find that happy medium. Medium. I will say on a positive, like being active on social media, it gets you to interact with your fans. I mean, you just gave away a PlayStation Five, like mm-hmm. that's wild. So probably yeah. you. Yeah, we gave away a PlayStation Five. Uh, my, my partner Swan Security uh, through their deal for the through their collaboration with Best Buy we were able to give up we give away a brand new PlayStation. I know last last year in the off season I partnered with Newegg. We gave away a brand uh, like a five thousand dollar gaming PC, which was nuts. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it was custom built too. It was sick. It had my like mm -hmm. engraved on it, and I was like, ah, that's tight. I hope I, I hope I hope I get to do more work with New Egg in the because that was a really really fun campaign. No, that's cool. I mean, props to you and the the partnerships there. Swan, you just celebrated. Uh, was it two years with them? Yeah, that was so. This was this is the Vegas was their last race with me for for the season. Um, we're working on figuring things out for next year, but um, you know, it's just to, the way it all came together. I mean, it was a cold it was a cold message that I sent out three weeks before Daytona in February of last year, <laughs> and it led to I think they did. I want to say they did six, seven, seven races last year, five this year. Um, and, you know, we've been able to, you know, they've been able to increase their investment. You know, we've been able to put, you know, better quality stuff on track and double the content stuff. We've been able to do a lot um, with that campaign. And that all started with a cold message on LinkedIn. And that's what really, really is special to me because that just tells me, because I spend a lot of my day doing emails, cold messaging, posting on LinkedIn, all that stuff. And there's a lot of days, including yesterday. I was really down on myself yesterday. Um, but I, I mean, there's days where you just don't hear from anybody. And you feel like you're like, especially when you're doing your work at home, you feel like you're put into like a box. You know, you're, you're talking, you're talking, and nobody's responding. And it makes you feel like you're going crazy. And so... It, when I see how well that campaign has gone, and I'm very, very thankful for Swan because they're one of my first, you know, sponsors post TikTok, um, and they've been a continuous, massive partner of mine, and that all came from a cold message, something that I do every single day, and that is like so special to me. I mean, it really goes to show. I mean. The worst somebody can say is no. I think when people mm -hmm. go through the or from the outside looking in, Ryan, when we don't we we hear that drivers don't get sponsorship, we're like, how can that be? But it really you have to go out there and put yourself out there, and the worst you can say is no. But yeah, you've been able to partner with so many people and um, get those things through social media. I mean, it, it's very impressive, very impressive. No, thank you. I mean, it's and the thing is, it's like it's my lifeline, plain and simple. I mean. I mean, let's look. Let's. I mean, let's be blunt here. I'm not at Homestead this weekend. I didn't have a sponsor, and I mean, that's that's just how the, the sport is. That's the nature of the beast, and um, it's it's a bummer. I love Homestead. I, it's it's heartbreaking to go not being at a racetrack, but it, weekends like this are what fuel me to be better and to do what I want to do even even more than anything, and. Uh, it, it's, yeah, it's definitely one of those, like, big kick in the rear to get up and get after it. I want to shift gears a little bit here. Um, you were diagnosed with, I, please correct me if I'm saying this wrong. It's all um, good. Everybody butchers it. It's okay. It's say it. craniosynostosis? Synostosis. I knew yeah. I would butcher it. But no, like, like no, everybody wants to say ptosis or, like, it's fine. Like, trust me, I, it's, it's fine. But um, go on. And I was just gonna say, um, do you mind like educating us a little bit about you know your journey with that? You had surgery in two thousand one, and uh, partnered with um, Faces, that organization, and what you do with them. Yeah, I mean, so uh, obviously, like like you mentioned, I was born with craniosynostosis, which you're gonna lose me here for a sec, but you can see my scar. It actually goes all the way. I, you probably can't see it. it. Goes all the way around my head. 
Okay. And um, it basically, so my type of craniosynostosis uh, specifically was coronal synostosis. Uh, you know, your brain, I mean, not your brain. Your skull is divided into four sutures, and mine were uh, the front ones that were messed up. Essentially, my soft spot closed, caused that, you know, my soft spot closed, caused this to become flat. Um, and I had surgery when I was 11 months old. I was very fortunate in the case that I just needed one surgery. And to this day, uh, to my recollection, I don't necessarily have any issues underlying from that right now. Um, now, there are who have craniosynostosis there are children who have had craniosynostosis who just like who get it caught at a very early development and they're able to kind of wear a helmet you've probably seen like when you go out and you see like a little baby wearing a helmet nine times out of ten that's them like fixing cranio um another thing too is on the other on the other end of the spectrum there's people with many different craniofacial differences who have to have surgery regularly um my girlfriend she has craniosynostosis as well, and um, that's how we met, which is kind of funny. But um, she had the same one as me, coronal synostosis. However, she has had to have multiple surgeries. And, I mean, just recently she had to get her nose fixed, um, and that was part of, you know, deviated septum. And that is part of having craniosynostosis. That is part of it. Uh, one thing that I'll also mention is this is probably going to ruin what people see whenever they see me. But you'll notice how my eyebrow on this side is higher than the other. A lot of people don't. So a lot of people notice that, and they're like, "Why do you do that?" And it's like it's because my skull literally is twisted. Uh, but I've been fortunate to partner with Faces, the National Craniofacial Association. I'm now a board member uh, for their team uh, to raise awareness for craniosynostosis and all other craniofacial differences, um, and just kind of bring light to the subject. You know, it's not an easy process, and there are some people who, you know whose lives are lives are genuinely affected by this in the long term and they are you know put in really unfortunate situations whether it be they can't afford to have surgery or you know it's long there's long-term health effects and it's very unfortunate to see it and there's a lot of you know and it affects a lot of people in a lot of communities especially in underrepresented uh, underrepresented communities as well where it's even harder to you know seek help to seek you know treatment um, and so partnering with these groups, partnering with faces, if I can do, a, if I could use my platform, cause I don't know the first thing that goes into being necessarily a board member. And I, and I, and I hope to one day have a charity of my own. I, that, that is something that I, that I ad, ad, adamantly want to do down the road. I want to have my own nonprofit to just help these kids who have craniosynostosis because, because from everything I've looked up, I am the only professional athlete with craniosynostosis and um i wish i wish it wasn't like that because there's a lot of kids who probably just don't think they when they can and uh if i could use my platform to a educate people b raise awareness and and c raise funds that is so much that is so much more important to me than driving race cars and you had cranio bears on your car your mm -hmm. infinity Xfinity debut in 2019. Like that, that was really cool as well. Yep, Cranio Care Bears. They're another nonprofit um, for craniosynostosis awareness. Um, they we act. The founder of Cranio, Cranio Care Bears, Summer. Um, they unfortunately just lost their son Brentley. Um, he was, I believe, um, 11 and a half, 12 years old, um, and that is just heartbreaking. 
here. Um, I'm getting a little choked up talking about it. It's it's heartbreaking. And we actually ran a little decal for him at Dover earlier this year. We ran cranial care bears on the car on the lower quarter panel. Um, it's it's tough. It's it is a very heavy topic, and I get and I'm very fortunate to take part in a lot of their. Um, I, they have like a like a Zoom kind of hangout thing they do. Uh, Faces does, and I get to meet some of these kids, and it's you learn a lot about these kids, and they're they're just like you and me. They 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 have dreams, they have aspirations, and they can do it. Um, but there's just a difference about them, and. It's about showing to them that they can and being a source of inspiration. And, you know, hopefully through their treatment, through awareness, they're able to, you know, continue to improve health-wise and chase those dreams. Yeah, we appreciate everything you do advocacy-wise. It's so important to use your platform when you have it, and you're one of those people that do. So I appreciate that. Um, this month is just Autonomia Awareness Month. It's an illness that I, I personally deal with, and I'm, like, trying to use that platform to promote awareness is so important so the fact that you're doing it for that is fantastic so thank you for doing that yeah thank you Um, ben do you have any other questions for ryan i have one silly question and i apologize in advance when do we get more chicken nugget reviews so fun fact uh there was a I'm, i'm gonna be having some conversations about bringing this back in a more produced way um, I have an idea as to how I want to do it. Um, the the initial uh, an, the initial format of it was good. It needed work, um, and it needed a little bit more production uh, value. There was none. It was me and a friend. Um, but we had a great time, and we were able to do a lot of things. It was us and an iPhone. Um, but it, it was a lot of fun. You get to talk to these drivers. A lot like a podcast, uh, and I, I, I swore I wasn't going to do a podcast because everybody and their mother has a podcast nowadays. Um, and I, you know, I want to, you know, I want to, I don't want to do another one. Like, I love being on podcast. I love podcasts, but I didn't want to do my, my own thing and not call it a podcast. Absolutely. I want to do something where it's a little bit more, I don't know. And so my plan is to make it almost like a condensed, like six minute type thing or like whatever YouTube's at. So eight minutes, eight to 10 minutes um, and have like questions, games, but also just get these guys to relax, mm-hmm. you know, get, get these people, whoever it is, whether it be a driver or a media person or, you know, some person of influence, you know, that is something that um, I want to do. So long answer one day. Awesome. I respect it. I have a follow-up to that. So do you dive into like the world of chicken tenders too? Like no. no. Oh no. 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 Um, no. We uh so yeah. I re- we fun fact, we reviewed Chick Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. Uh-huh. Um on the on the chicken nugget. I think it was episode three. I did that. A three of three. <laughs> and um <laughs> COVID. Um and I I rated them decent. The taste is good, but my only gripe with chicken Chick Fil A chicken nuggets is that they are a they are lazy. Um, they are they are chicken tenders that have been chopped up. That and is valid. I will die on that hill. It is that's not a, a chicken nugget. It's a chicken tender that's been chopped up. That's a fact. Do you have a wanna... sauce? I'm so sorry. I need to ask this. Like a preferred dipping sauce. Yeah. You go to McDonald's <laughs> and you get the tangy barbecue. It's that. 
Good stuff. I'm also, I want to ask just because this, this is how my brain works. Um, Cause I think this is true. Who's the worst roommate, Myatt Snyder or Brad Perez? Um, so they're both total opposites. Um, Myatt is like, he is a hermit. He won't leave the house. And then Brad is definitely the opposite of that. He's never home. Uh, well, he doesn't. We, he doesn't live here anymore. He he moved out. Uh, but he was never home. But also, um, Myatt is very very clean and organized. Brad, love him to death. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, like I say. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but um, we're. But honestly, I, I loved rooming with them both. We also had uh, our buddy Mark here, and that was really fun. Um, it's just – and one thing I really – and it's kind of weird to say it, but, like, I remember, like, the time during, like, quarantine, we were all stuck inside, and I can't deny to you guys that was probably one of the more fun times. I shouldn't say fun times because it was a horrible time, but it was a, a very fun experience being able to just do nothing. Um like do nothing and be with people be with your friends all day long that's essentially how that quarantine was um so yeah did you find like new hobbies during quarantine i, I feel like a lot of people did i don't know if- i slept a lot I, I i don't sleep anymore so i i used it all in 2020 i, yeah. I went to bed at 2 a.m last night and i woke up at seven you and i ready and refreshed <laughs> ready to take on the emails Absolutely. Respect it. Respect yeah. It. So much respect. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was gonna feel like, how much do you sleep? Because you're you're always working. Like that's crazy. Um, I mean, the thing is, I I okay. So I try to do a hard stop on work by seven. Um, normally it's pretty much close to done by five. I try and operate. I try to operate myself at a nine to five schedule. But I also know that the the West Coast exists. So I have oh, to kind of yeah. extend it sometimes to like seven or eight, which is fine. Um, and you also got to think, I mean, all I'm doing, like what my, my work consists of phone calls, emails, and, and meetings. So there are lulls in the time. I'm not consistently <laughs> typing away all day long because, God, that would I'd lose my marbles. I'm already <laughs> losing my marbles enough as it is. Um, but like I'll put on like this, this my next race is Martinsville. I've been putting on miscellaneous Martinsville races on the TV in the background while I work. And there's times where I'll be doing emails and I'll just stop for like 15 minutes and just zone out watching the screen. And then I'll get back to doing work. And I think the biggest reason why I just don't sleep is just because I'm, I'm thinking all the time. I mean, I tweeted last night at like 2 a.m. because I was just like, I want to drive a race car. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the 2 a.m. tweets are a thing. Yeah, two AM tweets are a thing. It's and my mood. there's times where I just tweet something that's like like super deep, like kind of like last night where I'm like, I just want to try, like I'm focused, like focused. I really want to do this. And then there's times where I post like, um, there's a screen grab from like the 2004 Daytona 500, and there was an advertisement for Shrek coming on after the 500. Oh. Yeah. And, uh, no. That's my favorite template. Yeah. And so, like, there's a photo of, like, four cars and a draft going on the back straightaway, and then it says, tonight, it's 7 Central. And it's just Shrek standing there, like, T-posing, essentially. That's incredible. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> That's a good one. We'll use it in group chats. So my yes. friends, we'll just, we'll just share that out of the blue. Um, I'll get to some – we'll get to some of the, I guess, the viewer questions. Um, yeah. one of, uh, Andrew Sanford asked, uh, is there any fun merch in the works? Oh, um, 
So uh, there, there's actively in the works, yes. Um, Reddit, we're working on getting some Reddit merch pulled out. Um, we're getting clearances on everything there. Obviously, you got to, you know, adhere to some things. And so we're making sure we do that, doing our due diligence there. Uh, we're going to sell, we're, we're 99% sure we're going to sell the crew shirts. Um, the crew shirts that the team wore, there was a lot of questions about those. So we're probably going to start selling them. Um, like a limited run. So like for like a week, we'll have them up. So just kind of stay tuned for that. Um, what else? I, uh, I, I was in a small conversation with you two. So hopefully I can make something happen down the road there. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, nothing necessarily crazy. Um, I, but one thing I will say, actually, no, there is something that's kind of fun. There's a poster I'm I'm working on right now, and I'm gonna show you what it's based upon. Um, I'm not gonna I'm I'm giving a I'm giving a tease here because because next week is Martinsville week, so I'm going Halloween themed. Um, my poster graphic that we are doing for the race is basically themed off of this. I don't know if you can see it. Okay. Oh. Oh wait 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 wait. I don't know. It's it's like really hard to look. Hang on. Let it's me do this. Reflection of my face. I'm like, is this Stranger Things? What is this? Wait. Yes, it's Eddie Munson. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Ryan. <laughs> yeah. So we're no. doing full like um him in the upside down slaying the guitar. That's like just stay tuned for the that's like the theme we're going for. And oh. I'm gonna I'm probably gonna try and get that produced as a poster. Um I would buy it. Just saying. I love so if, if if there's enough interest, we might do it. That's incredible. Solid. So, fan of Stranger Things then. Yeah, absolutely. This season, season was awesome. Oh, was season good? four was great. I, I, I have a soft spot for season three, kind of, because that was pretty cool. I liked the theme of that. I'm, I'm just a big theme. I'm, I'm a geek for um, 80s nostalgia type stuff, especially because that's like, I also love like 80s racing stuff. Like, I love watching F1, NASCAR stuff from the 80s. So it's like, yeah. Oh, so cool. So cool. Um, oh, goodness. Let's see. Oh, more co- more questions. Leon's Automotive, he said, as an aspiring sim racer, how much does the sim translate to your racecraft? So the biggest thing that sim racing, I would say it's a it's a, it's a good teacher and a bad teacher. It teaches you to... It, it, one thing it does is it kind of teaches you, A, it's just kind of like the dynamics of racing, you know, kind of learning how to make different lines, where to find speed, yada, yada, yada. But also, one thing that I specifically buy racing for, um, because you're never going to replicate, you're never going to replicate G-Force, load, you know, the feel of yaw. You're never, ever going to re- replicate that unless you have a multi-million dollar simulator. And even then, I've never driven on one of those, so I don't even know how well they do that. Um, but... Um, I use it for visuals. That's what I do. Like I just, before I was on here, I did 50 laps at Martinsville just so I can oh, get a little man. more laps underneath me and get the visuals down of where I need to break and stuff like that. Um, so that's a, that's a big thing is I just mainly the visual aspect is, I mean, it's pretty dang close. And then we'll do, we'll do one more question before we wrap it up here. Matthew is asking if you have plans announced for 2023, if you're working on something, is there anything you can share or do you? I plan to drive a NASCAR sanctioned NASCAR stock car. 
um, in X NASCAR sanctioned series. In he said car. He didn't say truck. He said car. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> car or truck. Whatever. There we go. I'll leave it way even wider. Um, but no, I'm just working on it. I mean, at the end of the day, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, it's, it comes down to the almighty dollar. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a lot of partners who believe in me I'm, and, you know, want to see me succeed and want to see me, you know, continue growing. And uh, I hope to continue I hope to continue growing. I hope to continue driving race cars for as long as I possibly can. And, you know, maybe one day, knock on wood, find myself racing uh, on Sundays. Well, Ryan, it's been an absolute joy having you on the show this evening. Thank you so much for your time, and we hope you come back soon. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. Of course. Have a good night. See ya. Bye. That was fantastic. Thanks He's a cool for guy. Time. Yeah, no, so cool. So cool. Loved, gave us really good insight into his career. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and just in general, just who he is as a person. I really, really appreciated his time. And also a good question to you guys in the chats, for sure. Mm-hmm. I love, and I'll say this, I love his attitude to learn in yes. general. Um, like he talked, like I did not know about the story that he told about going and getting lunch with Landon Castle and like picking his brain and just, the, what he just mentioned about going and setting in the simulator and just trying to learn his marks on the track and stuff like that. You can tell like he just, he's a sponge. He soaks up just whatever he can to try and learn as much as he can. I think that's a really like cool personal perspective of Vargas and stuff like that. So I, I, he's just, he just wants to learn and I, I can appreciate that as someone who loves learning. So. Because I feel like nowadays, no, no, like nobody wants to learn anymore. That's not what I'm trying to say, but everyone feels so complacent in what they know. You know, mm-hmm. so it is refreshing just to hear, like, I went to lunch. I talked to this person I'm doing this. And even just how, you know, tech savvy, media savvy he is. I mean, I feel like um, just from the work that I do, so many drivers or so many people in sports underestimate the power of social media. And the fact that he's using that for a good impact is also mm-hmm. incredibly impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very cool. Well, you guys, I think we'll wrap it up for the evening. Um, We appreciate you all joining us. Um, We'll hopefully have Ryan back on the show sometime soon. Um, Howie DiCivino III is actually going to be on our live stream, not next weekend, but the weekend after that, going into the final race at Phoenix. We'll have him on live that Friday, talk to him about his career, Um, maybe probably about some hunting stuff. He likes to hunt and everything. So very excited to have him on. But again, thanks to Ryan for joining. Greatly appreciated it. Um, But yeah, if you want to, okay, well, Ben, we always have to do our social media handles. Ben, where can everyone find you? You lovely human being. You can find me at brbranscombe43 on Twitter, on Instagram, on I think TikTok. I think that's my handle on TikTok as well. Um, I I, I tweet a lot about a lot of different things, uh, mostly just stupid stuff. So, but follow me on there. Have fun. So, Give Ben a follow, you guys. Uh, this is all of our social media handles. Mine on Twitter. I, I also tweet a lot. Um, at underscore Taylor Kitchen underscore. And also, if you're watching on YouTube and or Facebook, you should be subscribed or following Toby Christie Comps. So make sure you definitely check that out. We also are on all podcasting platforms. We'll probably put this on um, all the podcasting platforms. So if you guys want to listen to it again, or if you have a friend that wants to listen to it, you can listen to it instead of watching it because sometimes on the go, listening is a little bit easier. We also have to give a huge thank you to DoorDash and Shack Eye Gear for sponsoring this episode 
episode of Above the Low Line. We love these sponsors. We love these partners for helping us out here at tobychristie.com and ATYL Above the Yellow Line. So thank you to them. They have also promo codes for you guys so you can get in on all of their great products. Jack Aguirre, Mamba34 for 20% off your order. Uh, I've got to get my eyes checked again, and then I'm definitely ordering a pair of these because they are fantastic. And then also DoorDash, if you want 30% off your first order, NASCAR 30 is where you got to go for that. But everybody, thank you so much again for watching this live stream on a Friday night. Have a great weekend and get prepared for Homestead Miami. Bye, guys.